who have not been here on a regular basis during our problems with the COVID and whatever, we found that we had people that had different concerns about the contagion that was around and all. So what we decided to do, we'd start by eating, which we always did anyhow. Then we'd have a prayer request first. Then we would have the sermon. And then the most contagious part of a meeting, the singing, we would reserve for last. And as we've always done, we take our what we sing from requests made from the people who are here. We learned a long time ago that it would be a tough thing to go to church every Sunday and not get to sing what you wanted to. So we give that opportunity to the people that are here. We'll sing what you want to sing, and we'll keep singing until you don't want to sing anymore. So it's like people said, they had a choice of coming to eat and then coming to prayer request and coming for the sermon and then coming to singing, however they want to do. And we're not funny about how long you stay. You get up and start leaving, we'll speak to you on the way out. But that's the way we feel that we're supposed to do here. We try to be as informal as we can as long as we leave all the preparations and the organization of this thing to the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what we try to do. So that's what we'll do this morning. If you will turn in your, in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 14. We'll be there in just a second. I first want to say that when we get born again, when we're saved, we all start on our way, climbing our way to heaven. Getting better and better in the sanctification process. I hope if we let God clean us up, He will. And as we get better and better, as we go toward our meeting with Jesus Christ at the end of our life. But we don't all travel the same path. And that's a good thing too. God created us with different personalities, with different gifts at salvation. We have different ministries. We do different things. And God's not in the business of making clones. We all have different ministries and different educations and different learning at different times. And so somebody is always in the business of changing just a little bit because that's what God intended. Jesus prayed in the 17th chapter of John on his prayer to his father as he was right before he was crucified that we should all think alike, that we should all believe alike like him and his father did. So that means all of us have got to keep an open mind about what we believe about this book because we're forever changing, because one day we'll all believe just alike. We didn't start out that way. And we climb in different levels 
And we learn different things because of our experience as we go through those different levels. So everybody is in a little bit different place. The 14th chapter of Romans is Paul's way of teaching us how we're supposed to treat other people who belong to God, who are Christians, who don't believe exactly like we do. They're in a process. And it was amazing some of the things he says here, but let's just see what kind of instruction he's got for us. Because we've got to remember that nobody is going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ as a Christian by them, by, with, 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 with their family or with other people or as a group. I have been as a, as a, a private kind of a maybe agenda been trying to, to, to leverage things to where we all understand that we'll stand before Christ by ourselves. There's no way we're going to be able to look and say, Christ, I would have done better, but except for this one right here or that one right there. Because there's not going to be that one right there or this one right here. We won't even be married in heaven. We won't be male and female in heaven, the Bible says. So it's going to change some things. Some of those things are changed down here as we study scriptures. We'll be alone. And we have a personal responsibility to God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit to other people. God's people and people who are not God's people too. This 14th chapter of Romans, according to Schofield, is how to handle the debatable matters, the things that are not essential for salvation. And there are a lot of those things. And because of our old man character, we live in this flesh in a carnal way. We debate each other about these things. We want to argue. We have split up God's family into all kind of different denominations and sects, S-E-C-T-S, and groups of people that believe differently. People have a tendency to take one truth out of the Bible and form a group of people based on that one truth. And then they look down their nose at everybody else that doesn't believe that one truth. God never intended for that to happen. We do that because of our sinful natures. And here's what he has to say about it. Chapter 14 of Romans and verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Now look, him that is weak in the faith, that's a Christian. Because people that's not in the faith are not believers. It says, him that is in weak in the faith, receive him, welcome him, have him part of you, of what you do. Be a friend to him. But now who is the weak? 
And let's ask that question. Wait a minute, who's weak? Well, as we look around, everybody's weak. You don't know as much as we do, right? So if you find out somebody believes a little different than you, you've got to be weak because you're not as smart as you are. You see what I'm saying? So him that is weak, the one that don't believe exactly like you do, receive him. Welcome him. But not to doubtful disputations. You don't invite him in to argue with him. That's not the point. You invite him in to entice him or her to believe Scripture and to change their beliefs according to Scripture. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Now here's we got a situation that they bring up. It was a big deal back then for what you ate because some people really had a problem with in, in, the, in the church because people were buying meat that had been offered to idols. What they'd do, they'd take a little bit of the meat that was offered to an idol, then they'd put the rest of it in the butcher shop and sell it to people. They took it home, cooked it, and ate it. Some folks thought it was all right to do that, and some folks thought it was not all right. And God explains that. One doesn't eat that. He eats. He's a vegetarian. He won't eat meat because he's scared he'll get some meat that's been offered to an idol. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. You know he's born again. You see evidence that he has faith, that he's a Christian. You receive it. But wait a minute. You don't understand. He believes so and so and so. You know how it is. He don't know any better. We, 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 we create an attitude like that because of our sinful side. Folks get that away about ball teams, college ball, whatever. They want to fight other folks that are for somebody else. That's our carnal nature that brings about that competition, especially to the extent when we start competing with other believers. If God has received him, we're to receive him. That's the issue. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now can't you see this picture? I got this picture in my mind. Y'all understand that. That's the way I learn. This older person is real cranky. It's just running somebody else down for something that's not of an issue with God. It's something else. It doesn't matter to God. If it had mattered, he'd said something about it. And you'd find it in the book. It's not like thou shalt not steal. A lot of these things, thou shalt not kill, are just things that people just differ about. And here's somebody running somebody down because they smoke a cigarette or dance or said a cuss word or some of those things that are not in the book. 
And it says God is able to make the one you just criticized stand. He's not on your side. He's holding him up. Because you criticize them for something that you don't do yourself. Because nobody criticizes other people for what they do. <laughs> They'd be a hypocrite. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? That man is a Christian, or that woman is a Christian because they believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God then, through the Holy Spirit, put the Holy Spirit in them, called them a child, and started sanctifying them to make them like Jesus. That's the reason they're a Christian. And if he's a Christian, I've got to accept him. One man esteemeth one day. Boy, oh, we're getting in another subject now. I worship on Saturday. No, you ought to be worshiping on Sunday. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You be convinced about what God wants you to do about what day you worship. Now that is a big deal nowadays. Oh, they worship on Saturday, you know, we, we don't know. Uh, you see what I'm saying? God says that's okay. As long as you've got it in your mind, that's what God wants you to do, you do it. I've seen people that had to work on Sunday for years. They never got to go to church on Sunday. They took Monday or Tuesday or their off day and made it their worship day. There's plenty of sermons on the TV. You can find them. You can sit and study your Bible. Just do the same things you almost do on Sunday, except go to church. But let everybody decide on his own what God wants him to do, the power of the Holy Spirit in a man's life to tell him what to do. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not and giveth God thanks. They're all serving God. So God is pleased with them. A lot of times we're not. That's the point he's making. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. So whether we live, therefore, or die, we're the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. So you see, here's our problem. If it's a problem, it's not really a problem, but sometimes we want to make it one. Regardless of who we are, of where we go to church, of what day we worship, of what we choose to eat, because God wants us to or doesn't want us to, because of all the things we do in our behavior for God, 
all those things, we still belong to God. And God is the one that's calling the shots. He didn't send Jesus to judge. He made that plain. But he turned over the judging to Jesus after Jesus left. So God was the ultimate judge to start with, and here we are. Here's the, the thing he's bringing up here. How can you complain about a servant who or an employer, an employee that works for another man? I mean, it's as simple as that. Well, you know, he sits around all the time. He doesn't work at all. I don't see how the man puts up with him. You've heard folks say that. That's the picture he's showing here. As long as that man is satisfying that man he's working for, you got no right to, to complain about him. You got no right to criticize him. If it's okay for that man for him to work like he does, that ought to be fine with you. It's hard for sometimes to get that through our mind. But we are all here to serve God. And God doesn't always have every one of us serving Him the same way. Everybody can't have the same gift or we'd be running into each other. We would be fussing with each other then because somebody would be doing our gift better than we were doing our gift. So there's a whole variation here of how we should live under God and all still believe the same thing. Christ died and rose and became our Savior and now sits on the right hand of God in the throne room interceding for us through the Holy Spirit of God that God put in each one of us. That's the program. So we live to get his good judgment, not each other's. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Whether you like what somebody's doing or not, the thing that really matters to God is that day he stands before him and he's going to call it like it was and he doesn't make any mistakes. For it is written, verse 11, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Let me tell you what that tells me. That at one time or another, every person living on the face of the earth will bow the knee to God and confess that God is who He is. If it's one second after you die and you're on your way to hell, you know exactly then what's going on. You know you missed it because one second after you're gone is too late. 
It just is, and that's the way it is. But it doesn't matter. Every single person that has ever been created will acknowledge that God is who he is and who he should be, who should be serving him. So we all come to that. The ones that you know today that are so bad, you can't understand how come they're so mean and how they don't love people, they don't care for people, they could care less for anybody else, there'll come a day. And our word tells us that, that they will be just like us and acknowledge that God is who he is. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So you see, it's my business how I act, and it's your business how you act, and I don't have any right as a child of God to criticize what you're doing. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now there's some interesting things about this verse right here. It's talking about us as Christians causing other people to stumble or to trip on their, on their way to Jesus. In John chapter 21 and verse 18, God, Jesus is doing Peter a favor. He tells Peter, and he looks into the future and said, Peter, you know, you're a big old tough boy now. You've always been kind of outgoing and quick to speak, quick to grab a sword and cut a man's ear off. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get older, you're going to have to stand with your arms out and somebody else is going to put your clothes on you. You're going to be blind, Peter, in your old age. No more than Jesus doing Peter a special favor because he's a supporter of him, gets it out of his mouth. You're going to be blind when you get old. I'm just giving you that. Peter turns around and says, what about him, Lord? Points to John. What's going to happen to him? And Jesus told him, what's that to you? You know what he told him? That's none of your business, Peter. I was talking to you. That's the way God sees us as individuals. He deals with me. And when he tells me what I'm to do, I really don't have the right to ask him what's going to happen to this one over here. <laughs> That's between him and that one over there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, there's a scripture there that says that offend no one in anything lest the ministry be blamed. Offend, this word offense, as it was used in those days, is not hurting somebody's feelings or making somebody mad. That doesn't mean what it means today. It meant tripping somebody. 
making somebody stumble. So what he says is don't make somebody stumble because if you do, the whole ministry of Jesus Christ is going to be criticized. You've heard it. You've heard it. I don't have to remind you, oh, I don't go to that church down there. You know, so-and-so goes down there. And he does so-and-so. And then they go into a debate, you know, a, a, a speech about what one of their members, how sorry he is. And that's the reason they don't go down there. He says don't do that. Because the way you act as a Christian, like we talked about two, three weeks ago in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, you can't have a pity party when God has chastised you. You can't go off and have a pity party because somebody is watching you. Somebody thinks you're very important because they see your car in front of the church on Sunday morning. So they figure you must be somebody else. You must know something that everybody else does. So they're watching you to see how to act. And when you get in trouble, and it's obvious you are in trouble, they watch you to see how you're going to get out of that problem. We've got to be so very careful. I see some of these basketball players, the stars, say, I don't want to be a role model. It don't matter whether you want to be or not, you are. And it said in the 12th chapter of Hebrews that somebody lame that's watching us, and if we don't live what we need to do in front of them, they can become lame because they're already limping a little bit because they saw you and the way you handled it. Because they come to this conclusion. Well, he serves God. If God doesn't have a solution for him and his problem, he probably hadn't got one for me. And we've got to live our life that we're always ready to give a reason for the hope that we live that we'll be with Christ for eternity. An upbeat reason. Rather than getting the mully grubs and make everybody wonder, well, if that's being a Christian, what good would it be before me? It says in 1 Thessalonians in verse 4, or chapter 4 and verse 4, that everyone should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification. You ought to know how to act. You ought to know how your behavior should be because you never know who's watching you. We've all got to live as an example every day. But that's too much responsibility. Not what God said. He said that's the way you should live. Verse 10, Why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost set it naught? And why would you stand before the judgment seat? As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's coming. And it's going to happen. And you're going to be there by yourself. And there's going to be no excuses. So now, why can't we live that way? No excuses. I know 
verse 14, and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute now. What about all those things we criticize other people about? Those unclean things. Cigarettes. Tobacco. Drinking a beer. All those things that we make such a big deal about that God doesn't mention in his word. It has come out of the church. It's come out of men's mouths instead of God's mouth. And we see ourselves as superior to other people because of the things we don't let ourselves do. But most of us, when you get down to it, if there's a long enough list, there's something we do let ourselves do that's just as bad. But to him that esteemeth it to be unclean, to him it's unclean. If you feel it's so important not to use tobacco or not to do anything that people do, if it's so important for you to keep yourself from doing it, then don't ever do it. I don't understand. Well, if you think it's wrong, don't do it yourself. That's the simple part of it. Because see what happens, you get in the habit of doing what you think is wrong. That's what matters. You know it's wrong, you believe it's wrong, and you're playing around with it and doing a little bit. If you believe it's wrong, don't do it. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean, whether it really is or not. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walketh thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. We're talking about another Christian. And some believe they're not supposed to eat pork on Friday. Don't throw the ham out in front of him. Don't feed it to him when he comes to eat on Friday with you. I mean, respect. And that's what this is all about, folks. And if you watch any kind of news, you see what's going on in the United States today, we have totally lost respect. There's the problem. We don't respect anybody. We don't respect the law. We don't respect authority. We don't respect people who God has placed over us to keep us from going crazy. Don't rub his nose in it. That's what he's saying. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. You know it's okay. This guy's eating meat. You don't think it's a good thing. You, don't, you know it's okay to eat that meat. But if you know he's funny about it, don't eat it in front of him. Is it okay if you eat it? Yes, it is. You know that. God said it was okay. But don't do it in front of him. Don't get him to wondering if he's doing the right thing because you do it. In front of him, choose to live as God wants you to live. You can be a teacher of the truth because so many things that we squabble about are not truths from the Scripture. Jesus said, for this cause I came into the world and for this reason I was born 
to stand witness for the truth. And the people of the truth hear my voice, he says in John chapter 18 and verse 37. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. And it's not Saturday or it's not Sunday. It's not your days. It's not what you put in your mouth. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many people today are living in anxiety, worried about what they've done, Worried about what other people are doing. Worrying about what their kids are doing. Worrying about what their mom and daddy's doing. Worrying about all kinds of things about people they love. And it keeps them from having a good day. A bright day. A day where their joy is full and they can share Christ with other people. Be quick and a good spirit to do that. I've learned. Just since I was called to be a preacher. I didn't know it, I don't think, before I was 60 years old. But the most problems that people seem to have is what people who they love are doing that they don't like. That is the biggest complaint I know. I just wish so-and-so would quit doing so-and-so. I wish this one would quit doing it. I wish my kids would do this. I wish this, I wish that. We try to be other people's conscience. And there's no way we can do that. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants us to have. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Not every man. And not a critical man and not a critical woman. They won't approve of you because they're in anxiety. They're competitive. They think that their way is the best way and nobody else's way works. But you're approved of God and that's what he's talking about before. Every man stands from his own master's standpoint, not other people's. Let us therefore follow after the thing which makes for peace. And things therewith one may edify each other. Something that's good for somebody else to know. Talk that away. Act that away. Act in a way that it will make it good for other people. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. All things indeed are pure. So the things that we say are bad are not really bad in themselves. It's because we make them bad that they're bad. But it's evil for that man who eateth with offense. If, you're pro- if you have a problem with meat that it might have been offered to idols, don't eat it. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor to do anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. I am doing what I think God wants me to do. I'm sorry you don't like it. But I have to answer to God. I have to do what God wants me to do. I'm sorry that it offends you. 
Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he allows. God, sermon three weeks ago was on freedom. God gave us freedom so that we can serve him. He didn't want anything to keep us from doing what we were created to do, which was good works. God's in the people business, so that means we've got to be in the people business. And the good works that we do are things that we do with and for other people. Happy is he that knows he doesn't have to be careful about those things. That God really doesn't say that. Regardless of what the old preacher down the road says, God doesn't say that. And if he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Now listen to this. The next phrase is one of the most important in the scriptures. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If I don't believe it's okay for me to do it, I don't need to be doing it, whatever it is. If it's not a faith, if I don't have faith that what I'm doing is okay. Now, we're not talking about the guy that's watching me. We're talking about me now and me by myself doing what I know is okay to do. If, it's not, if I don't have faith to believe that it's okay, I better not do it because for me it'll be sin to do what I know I don't need to do. So you don't do what you think is wrong. You don't do it because it doesn't please God. You don't do it because it offends your brother. It causes him not to be sanctified, not to understand what Christ wants as quick as he would if you hadn't done what you did in front of him. So we do have an extended responsibility to those who are watching us. Doesn't mean for us to get puffed up. You remember what was said a couple of weeks ago? For him that thinketh he stand, let him beware lest he fall. I don't believe I'll ever be there. I won't ever know everything I'm supposed to know. I won't ever be able to do everything I think I know how to do. But I'm doing the best I can. And when I don't, I ask forgiveness for it, and God immediately forgives me, and then he forgets it. That's cool. That's cool. We remember each other's faults. We remember things that we saw each other do. But when you peck God on the shoulder, if he had a shoulder, and you say, well, wait a minute, you remember what he did? He said, I'm sorry, I don't believe I recall that. We don't have the power to forget. But God does, and he promises us that he does and will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us the things that you want us to do and the way you want us to live, what you want us to look like, what you want us to think, what you want us to say, and how you want us to act. 
Keep us humble, Lord, for you say you resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And the first thing on your hate list in Proverbs chapter 6 is a proud look. So Lord, let us live like you want us to live and don't put ourselves above everybody else. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.